Last April, we were looking to sell a desk chair on Facebook Marketplace. It was a pretty ordinary desk chair, sort of faux leather wheels at the bottom, just didn't have the same need for it anymore. So I posted it one evening, went to bed, and the next morning had no fewer than 15 messages about this desk chair. Is it still available? I can come at a moment's notice. Please let me know if you still have it. And this one was like at 4.30 a.m. Another one read, I will pay double. Can come ASAP. I was overwhelmed. And this is why I would be terrible in the business world because I have no sense for where the market is or is going. I had not put together last April that the, the pandemic reality was setting in further and further and many people were seeing that, that for some unknown period of time they were going to be working from home and suddenly finding a decent desk chair, a decent desk. That wasn't easy. Those were in high demand. I let the first person who had replied let him know that he could purchase the chair. You would have thought I was selling him one of my organs. Now, this guy was overjoyed that he'd been chosen to buy the desk chair. It has been strange, hasn't it, to see what items, what things, what furniture even, has become so acutely in demand in this pandemic era. And it makes me wonder, what, what will now become the must-have thing as we transition into some sort of new normal or, or, or next phase as these vaccinations continue. In particular, what piece of furniture will be most important in this next phase? Oddly enough, I think the Gospel of Luke commends something of an answer. It's an answer strongly alluded to right there at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke when the newborn baby Jesus is, is laid into a feeding trough in Bethlehem which means city of bread. This Jesus is to be food for the world. And then from there, on no fewer than eight occasions in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has a meal with others. A banquet at Levi's house, a dinner at Simon's house, the feeding of the 5,000, a meal at Mary and Martha's house, a couple more dinners at different Pharisee houses, a meal at Zacchaeus' house, the Last Supper, breaking bread with the disciples post-resurrection in Emmaus. That doesn't count the number of parables and teachings where food and drink are central to, to the imagery and the story. I mean, what happens right after the prodigal son is embraced by the father in that wonderful, memorable parable in Luke chapter 15? They throw a feast. A banquet. Many have argued table fellowship with Jesus. It happens so frequently in the Gospel of Luke that it really, it's the organizing structure of this Gospel. Jesus moves from table to table. And it's at these meals that, that Jesus teaches and Jesus convicts. Jesus, Jesus heals and, and feeds. Jesus calls for repentance and, and Jesus forgives. And each of these is a facet of Jesus bringing a word of peace, of shalom, of wholeness and well-being in every facet of life, the kingdom of God. 
which brings us to our passage this morning from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus, post-resurrection, quite directly bestows this particular blessing in all of its fullness upon the disciples. Peace be with you. Shalom be with you. Wholeness and well-being in every facet of your life and your life together be upon you. And it does not seem they're in a place to fully receive this truth. They are instead startled and frightened upon seeing what appears to be a ghost. And Jesus, you heard, shows them his hands, his, his, his feet, tells them the, the, to touch him. And that helps, but there's, there's still some measure of disbelieving and wondering, we read. And so what does Jesus do to make it all the more fully clear that this is concretely Jesus himself, truly present, speaking a very real word of peace? Have you anything to eat? He asks. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Uh, scholars note the, the Greek is, is, is worded a bit strangely here, but really the sense of the phrase is Jesus shared a meal with them. And so again, it, it is a meal through which Jesus makes himself known that, that they might receive that word Peace be with you. I remember the first time that Jesus was far more of a ghost than real for me. It was my sophomore year of high school. My parents were divorcing. It was, it was incredibly painful. It was incredibly disorienting as well for my faith. Because how could these, my, my parents who had taught me the Bible and, and the Christian faith and, and, and the, the way of marriage, now be doing this? It was incredibly disorienting, and I could not reconcile what was happening. Not that I was terrified like the disciples in, in this passage, but, but when it came to Jesus, I, I did feel at best I was seeing more and more of a ghost. He seemed more and more of an apparition, something weightless, something not, not really there. I, I had my doubts amidst this. I also remember my sophomore, my junior, and my senior year, as years were increasingly, I spent time at the Heck household. Uh, the Hecks, they were this family, mom, dad, five kids, one of them in my grade. They all went to the, the same church with us. Um, remarkable family, the kind that they didn't have a TV. They all played musical instruments, and they had this open-door policy, uh, which led to me being there a lot for lunches and for dinners. And, it, and at first, I just loved showing up because they had this incredible chocolate chip cookie recipe. And I learned years later that the secret ingredient was Crisco. Slowly, though, I started to realize I was showing up regularly, not just for the, 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 the tasty meals and the cookies, but, but the presence around this table. They loved to ask questions at dinner of one another. Funny questions, thoughtful questions, curious questions, faith questions. Questions led the stories, led the questions, led the stories, often laughter intermingled. If anyone, like me, who was incredibly shy as a high schooler, went, went silent for an extended period of time, the dad was especially good at, at inviting Bobby. What do you think? No, their table did nothing to change my family's situation or, or give me a clear answer for why it was all happening. 
And yet over time it was at table with the Heck family that Jesus was no longer a ghost. I experienced him as real and concrete. I knew at that table a peace that transcends all understanding, shaping and filling and, and, and changing me. Peace be upon you was, was the benediction I received slowly and fully at table with the Heck family. Have you known this kind of meal? A people are, uh, around a meal where, where, where something about them and that time and that space is precisely where Jesus really became less of an empty concept or abstract being or, or weightless and flimsy in light of all that was going on. But, 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 but with them and through that, uh, he became a presence. He was actually truly a, a nourishment. And so a living peace breathed afresh upon your life. Have you known that? After all we have been through this last year, after all we have carried this past week, I wonder if right this moment we don't long for just such a meal on this very day. If we don't long for that word of peace to come concretely and visibly in our lives, but goodness, all over on this day. Which is why I think it is no accident Jesus eats broiled fish with the disciples. Commentators note that in the Hebrew scriptures, uh, fish were symbols of the Gentile world, uh, the non-Jewish world, the other ethnicity, uh, the other beliefs, the other. Here, the fish serves as something of a sign as to where these meals are going. These disciples are to share table fellowship with one another, yes, and receive a, a, a peace therein, but also they are to share table fellowship with the Gentiles, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, rich and poor, us and them. Table fellowship. Among every tribe, tongue, and nation. Jesus is making clear this, this is the direction that things are headed. This would make most especially clear to the world that most fundamental truth that, as Ephesians 2 put it, Christ Jesus has broken down every dividing wall. He is a reconciling peace. He preaches peace to those who are far and peace to those who are near. Peace to them, peace to us. Table fellowship with us and them. That really is what starts to unfold in the book of Acts, which, as many of you may know, is the second half of the Gospel of Luke. Table fellowship, where the peace is received, where the peace is shared. You know, when we adopted Leo, it became clear we would, we would need people in our lives that looked more like him to play with, to look up to. We wanted to find ways, and we continue to want to find ways to help him appreciate, know his heritage, his culture, which as someone whose biological DNA is from Papua New Guinea, that is pretty hard to, to, to figure out most anywhere in, in the States. But minimally, we knew it meant reaching out to the handful of black friends, that colleagues, neighbors, we had in the area at that time in Richmond, Virginia, 
regrettably to that point, not terribly strong relationships in any one direction with them. This did eventually lead to us getting to know an African-American couple fairly well over a few meals. We became friends. They really enjoyed and and loved Leo's presence and, and person. And on one occasion, they invited us for a special table fellowship. It was a birthday party at their house. Michelle and Leo actually couldn't make it, so I went, and and everyone's hanging out. And of course, the, the, the cake and the candles come forth, and everyone's singing happy birthday, right? And then just as they finish that last familiar line, happy birthday to you, the entire room, Minus me and I think two or three other white people in the room. The entire room breaks out in happy birthday, happy birthday to ya. And now the place is hopping and moving and harmonizing. And I'm standing there like, did I not get the memo? Were we rehearsing something, practicing something before we all showed up to this party you know what it was that was stevie wonder's version of happy birthday 1980 a song well loved well cherished by many in the african-american community commonplace actually uh, in predominantly african-american settings for that to be sung with joy and gusto on someone's birthday after this party i I went and, and very awkwardly asked a couple of, of the congregants in the church where I was serving who, who themselves are African-American asked, is this a song that you have sung on a birthday? And they just smiled knowingly. And so here is something joyful and beloved and happening in so many places and times when, when a black person has, 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 a, has, a, has a birthday party all over, uh, again, this country, and I had no inkling. I had no inkling, actually, about the song's existence, certainly not about the tradition. I had no idea about the deep meaning the song has for many in, in that community as the song was written as a happy birthday to Martin Luther King Jr. as a form of advocating for a day to Remember him before MLK Day was established. And I loved, I mean, I love being swept up into this joy of this thing I knew nothing about and happens all the time and, and, and could never, never, never have appreciated without the gift of table fellowship. But then the thing that dawned on me as I drove home from that party was this. My gosh. What else do I not know? What else have I not noticed? What else about being black in America have have I perhaps missed entirely? I mean, what other joys and traditions am I just ignorant or oblivious or... I know nothing about it. I, I cannot nearly appreciate or, or just enjoy or, or benefit from or grow from. And then I started to think about the other side of that coin. I thought, what are the laments? What are the hardships I, I may know nothing about or very little about or cannot nearly appreciate about these, my sisters and brothers who are so close? How does their experience of 
and history of this country affect how they see things and what they see? Where is there an overlap with what I've always seen and assumed? And, and where, are there, I mean, where are there genuine distinctions? Are there things I had no idea about? Why is it that, that many of them think much more actively about and prepare far more readily for being pulled over than I ever have? Why, I asked myself as I looked upon my bookshelf, do I really have almost no books by African-American authors, especially in the theology and religion section, as compared to plenty from Anglo-American? How, how is this voice so muted? Was this purposeful? Was this unconscious? What, what might I have no idea about? And, and why was it kind of true also of other tribes, tongues, and nations when it came to these resources? Question after question, each making clear how incomplete my understanding, my appreciation was for my sisters and brothers, their joys, their hardships, their insights. The questions, they were humbling me, they were convicting me, they were motivating me. And also, I realized that the questions cascading down upon my soul were actually Jesus' word of peace. It was a word of wholeness pressing into my incomplete areas, my blind spots, my unknowns. And it was a peace coming by way of questions, digging by way of questions that came only through the gift of table fellowship. I am convinced in this time of violence and this time of anger, this time of distrust, this time of racial injustice, this time of, of just talking right past one another along any number of lines, that the piece of furniture that it must be of utmost importance for the church of Jesus Christ is the table. For many near and many far long to know Jesus is not some flimsy, ephemeral presence who has nothing to say or do. We long for the concrete, lived presence of Jesus speaking a genuine word of shalom into all of this. And now that word of peace that we long for may be one that's full of grace and compassion as was known at the Heck household. It may be a word of peace that comes as a mix of joy and, and conviction and repentance and opening as at the birthday party or, or both, but the Gospel of Luke is clear from start to finish. It is at table that Jesus makes himself plainly and clearly known time and again, and it is there he speaks a word of peace, of shalom, of wellness and whole being in all facets of your life and life together. True, one step at a time with the COVID realities and, and trying to figure out how and where and with whom to share table fellowship and what that morphs into week by week and, and month by what. And yet, as we make our hopeful plans for, for, for what the coming months could look like and we, we start to prioritize what we're going to be about and what we're going to do, what would it look like for us to prioritize the opening of our table? What would it look like for us to prioritize being open 
to receiving an invitation to a table or two, perhaps one normally not on our radar. Normally we might consider a bit uncomfortable or different or what kind of table gathering might we start to consider where we have no idea how it would happen or how it could ever come together. But all we know is that at this time, it is something of the vision of the kingdom of God. And so what if we begin praying for that? For doors to open out there, for doors to open in here, for courage to respond when the table extends in a direction we've been praying for. What does it look like in the coming days to be a people who convene tables? Which of our table gatherings might we be a part of that, honestly, we wouldn't go for and would never happen, except for the fact that we believe that Jesus Christ is all about sitting at table, us and them, every tribe, tongue, and nation. As Jesus puts it at one point in the Gospel of Luke, of course, when describing the heavenly reality, people will come from the east and the west, the north and the south, and will take their places at the feast of the kingdom of God. And there we shall know the peace of God in every facet of life. May it be on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.